We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 534 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and yeah, this was a close one. The three points, they happen. Barcelona remain their third place spot in the table, just four points off the Girona and Real Madrid, so the job is done. But there was a lot to talk about because Barcelona were good in this game, but were they good enough at times to feel like they were going to get the three points? Not so sure about that. Before we jump into the five headlines, though, I want to remind everybody it's a big help if you could subscribe to the channel or give a good rating on the podcast app if that's where you're listening. And of course, supporting me on Patreon. I do always forget that I have a Patreon, so thank you so much to the new patrons recently who even reminded me to keep plugging that and make sure that this show keeps on going. So without further ado, let's jump in the five headlines from Barcelona's 1-0 win over Atletico Madrid. Headline one is Xavi got it right. And I know I'm repeating this headline before, but in recent weeks, especially without De Jong and Pedri, we had to be asking the question on the podcast, is Xavi having issues with his preparation for these matches? Is he prepared? Is he good enough at the top level to do that? And I think coming in, Xavi was at least to the point where he vindicated me by agreeing with me with that lineup. Well, at least he tried to. And Igor Martinez with discomfort. So Christensen comes in right before kickoff. But still, the continuity with Cancelo at left back at the back meant that Xavi agreed with what I said to keep that continuity. With the little change that Koundé at right back, well, that's why Xavi's the man in charge and I'm here sitting at home talking to you. I did also expect, and yes, Diego Simeone not being able to seem to figure out Xavi or any Barcelona manager in the last decade other than Ronald Koeman. Yeah, with Diego Simeone having struggling, and you know, people said that I should be afraid of Antoine Griezmann, but this is another indication that Griezmann does struggle against Barcelona and the tactics that are used against him. And I think that's a lot of what Xavi was trying to set up here. It was going to be Inegro Martinez chasing Griezmann around, but then it became Christensen and De Jong handing him off in the midfield and back line, respectively. So against a 5-3-2, what Xavi wanted to do was move the ball quickly. And I think that's generally what Barcelona wants to do, but in particular against that 5-3-2, they want to control the middle of the park, again, especially without any ball winners, including Gabi, if you're in isolation. So João Felix was given a more free role with Cancelo on the left, adding width, and not needing as much support as Balde does. Balde does need a player to play off him in a way that Cancelo, at least in this setup, Cancelo, he does trust to deliver that final ball. So if Cancelo doesn't feel comfortable and doesn't want to go with the 1v1 and dribble at the opponent, 
either he lays off or comes inside or delivers a ball that means that you're going to turn the ball over in a less dangerous position. So that did allow Zhao Felix to start on the far touchline and then come inside, expecting him to be the outlet for Pedri and Gundogan. Another difference, too, between the Porto match and this one was that Pedri was now on the left, even though in possession he was much higher, and then Gundogan is in the right, or playing even more box-to-box positionally. And all of these different moves, even having Gundogan on the right, meant that because Griezmann likes to set up going right to left, where he picks up the ball about two-thirds up the field on the right and then comes into his left, that meant in De Jong, in tracking and handing off Griezmann to Christensen, would need to be slightly to his left, meaning Gundogan was going to have to drop in a bit to the right side, so it did make sense in this setup to deal with Griezmann. That's why I believe all of these changes including even Kunde was to deal with Griezmann and get him off the ball in the middle of the field, and that worked perfectly. Griezmann has been the most important player for Atletico Madrid this season, and him not really featuring in this game much at all was the major thing that Xavi got right. Barcelona also is pretty steadfast of not resetting back to the keeper as much as usual. With Atletico Madrid having one of the better presses in Europe, that meant that Barcelona didn't want to be trusting Iñaki Pena, who is not as good with his feet as Ter Stegen, to be relied on to break that game open with those long balls out to the wings. A lot of the punches that he probably, that being Inaki Pena, should have caught, that was the other downside of him in this game, but we're going to get to all the good stuff about Inaki Pena later. And Kunde being switched to right back and Araujo back in the center. The idea, I think, coming in was that you want Araujo, you trust him more in the center, but what if it worked out for everybody and that Jules Kunde with those overlapping runs, was essential to opening up Atletico Madrid. And by opening them up, I mean pinning them back into that 5-3-2. Atletico Madrid wants to operate in a mid-block, but Barcelona didn't allow them to do that in the first half, especially through the overlapping runs and underlapping runs of Jules Koundé. And there's certainly going to be some discussions here about whether he should be playing right back or not. But that's something for Xavi to think about later, because just when it comes to the preparation for Atletico Madrid, I just want everyone to remember that Xavi got it right. Headline two is Kalma on Vida Roque. Now, Xavi may have got it right, but as I kind of said in the Atletico preview, not to minimize all the other things happening on the field, but Barcelona's forwards were going to have to finish their chances, or Barcelona was obviously not going to win the match. That is what this was going to come down to. Barcelona is just too good not to have opportunities against any opponent in any match. And if they haven't had those opportunities, something has gone horribly wrong, and that's when you really start to put it on Xavi. But as I already laid out in headline one, Xavi got it right, so it was time for the forward to step up. Rafinha, his miss in the first minute, kind of set the tempo here. Gonna one to Rafinha, a 1-2 with Pedri, can't get it on net with his weaker foot. Third minute, Koke coughs it up, doesn't happen that often. Jao Felix dribbles into pressure to find Lewandowski, who has it blocked by Hermoso. After Atletico Madrid got a chance the other way, here comes Barca. Rafinha crossing Lewandowski, who heads it away from goal instead of flicking it onto goal. That was three chances in the first seven minutes. Another Lewandowski miss in the 13th minute, way wide on the Kunde cross. Good job from Kunde moving the ball quicker in the middle of the field. Want that also be noted here. Those opportunities coming because Kunde was either stepping in, as we mentioned, he was also moving the ball quickly when he would step in, or he would overlap and immediately put that defeat to Rafinha, who was able to cut inside. A lot more space for Rafinha inside from even this match than we saw against Porto, and Kunde's overlapping runs were the major reason why. So after 15 minutes, a 1.35 expected goals and four big chances missed already. Now, fortunately, in hindsight, we know that for the rest of this match, Rafinha and Jao Felix, certainly positives. And Lewandowski, all the eyes are going to go on him. And the reason I said Kama on Vita Roque, because with Lewandowski's struggles, I can almost guarantee you, there might be some surprise, 
but I can guarantee you that Lewandowski is Barcelona's starter. It is telling that Xavi would love to bring Vitor Roque in in January, at least to get him acclimated to being in Barcelona, to new language, to teammates, into that system. I do think, and a lot of people agree with me, that Barcelona, you see with Ferran Torres, when they press, Barcelona would probably do better with a center forward that can play off the shoulders into those half spaces in a way that Lewandowski does not. Very much like Rafinha, like João Felix, Lewandowski wants the ball to feet. He wants to be played in, and he wants to create his own shooting lanes with your movement. But Barcelona, the way that Pedri operates, and Gundogan, and the way that that midfield tries to build through the lines, having a player to run in behind would do wonders. But to think that Vitor Roque is going to come in in January and unseat Lewandowski from that starting lineup is very, 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 very wishful thinking. It may not even take time for Vitor Roque to immediately settle in at Barcelona. He might really hit the ground running in some appearances. But very much like Lamine Mall and Rafinha and that argument, Lewandowski is there for a reason. He's struggling right now, but as a striker, he's also the guy that if Barcelona is going to win some trophies come the spring, Barcelona need him firing. You can't just replace that kind of player in the locker room and on the field with Vitor Roque. It's not going to work, especially, as we've said, Vitor Roque, a long Brazilian season. You need Lewandowski to figure this out. And I am not defending Lewandowski. I'm saying he is struggling. And Xavi just going to have to have him play through this. If he doesn't play through this, and this is who he is, but that's going to be a referendum on the end of the season. Now, it is possible, but it would be, I mean, we're even talking about Gerard Piquet, and Alba, and the decisions that Xavi already made with some of the veterans, and Lewandowski is not one of his old chaps, but to sit Lewandowski on the contract he is on, and what he can opt into next season, if you do not have him almost figure it out himself, that he is washed up or over the hill, which I'm not saying he is, but if that is what he is, and you don't allow him the opportunity to do that with a hungry 18-year-old sitting on the bench, and kind of let that dynamic play out the way it probably should, for sanity's sake in the locker room, the club might actually financially have a bigger problem on their hands if Lewandowski doesn't ride off in the sunset on his own terms. And that's unfortunately the way the club has set up these contracts by bringing in these guys in the way that they are. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough, and as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. 
Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Headline three is Zhao Felix celebrates. All right, let's get back to the positive stuff because I mentioned Lewandowski, he struggled. He was probably the only Barcelona player that was not certainly a net positive in this game because even Rafinha I thought was really positive in this game, helped out by the Koundé movement. 22nd to 24th minute, still 0-0, but Barcelona were pressing Atletico Madrid for their best stretch of the entire game. Atleti never got through. They had to blast it long, and Koundé had it covered and did really well to gain possession. And Barcelona found themselves once again in Atleti's half. And that sustained pressure just mentally, not physically yet, but mentally wore down Atletico Madrid in that first half and kind of drained them of their belief on the road. 29th minute is when the goal is scored. Rafinha inside from Koundé. Rafinha pokes it to Jao Felix, and he goes right to it. Now, Rafinha's pass should have been intercepted by Molina, but sometimes, what do I say? You got to make your own luck. A little bit of luck happens. Instead, it's Jao Felix. Instead of Molina, who's able to put it into his path, took one touch. Oblak came out, and Jao Felix still had work to do. Pops it over Oblak for the huge goal. It had been nine Liga matches since he was last on the score sheet. That's a long time. And it's now two goals in two games, counting Porto. Great. This is not, while it's all about Jao Felix, the narrative right now is about him. Certainly on the podcast, we're going to argue every single week, probably for the rest of the season, whether or not he's going to be around. What I will say about Jao Felix, he was a big player in a big moment in this game. And I want to talk and argue more about on the podcast. But I do know from that celebration, the one thing I will say is that it may be at Barcelona, but his future is certainly not Atletico Madrid. It's probably in the Premier League or who knows where it's going to be. Somebody's going to fork over some amount of money that's going to be negotiated. 80 mil is his release clause that Barcelona obviously can't pay. Barred Atletico Madrid accept anything less other than a player who has huge wages, who desperately wants to get out. But I think Atletico Madrid are going to try to do business with somebody else on a reduced rate. All that said, again, he's not going to Atletico Madrid after that kind of celebration. But Jao Felix, a big player in a big moment. Finally, I mean, that's what he was signed to do. And on this goal too, it all started when Pedri dropped deeper and pulled out the middle of the Atleti setup, creating space for Rafinha then run into. 
that Atleti was then vacating, moving the ball quickly with Barcelona from Inaki Pena to Pedri to Koundé, up to Rafinha, up to João Felix, straight down the middle of the field. That's as easy as Porto made their goal, and that's how I felt with the goal that Barcelona scored. A little, little, little bit of luck but a lot of good work that they had already built in the 29 minutes prior to create spaces for each other. In the 36th minute, a huge block, as good as the goal was, a huge block from De Jong on Griezmann. Griezmann's one real moment in the game. Urente got past Araujo, which doesn't happen often. So he gets past him, and Griezmann winds up being the free man at the back post. Koundé made him hesitate, giving De Jong enough time to get the block. And Atletico Madrid, to prove how out of sorts they were, they got three yellows in the first half on four fouls. And they were making it chippy. They were frustrated. They were out of the game. Headline four, can we get a full 90? Because we know that even though Atletico Madrid were out of the game, you got to play two halves, as Barcelona learned against Real Madrid. So at halftime, you knew that Atletico Madrid were going to be the ones making some changes, and Barcelona were likely going to try to settle in and not a one nothing, but play the way that they're already playing without much of a plan B because plan A was working so well. So Angel Correa on for Rodrigo Raquelme, Samolino on for Jose Maria Jimenez, and Cesar Azblacueta on for Molina. A bit more attacking personnel from Atletico Madrid, all three of them, though it was the same shape, but with Llorente now the wide right winger, and Lino looking to pin back Kunde a bit more, which did work to good effect, canceling out those overlaps, which was a huge reason why Barcelona were not as free-flowing and moving the balls quickly as they were in the first half as they were to the second because now there was space stretched out between Rafinha and Koundé, and Koundé could not step inside to create those numerical advantages in the inside. That meant that Cancelo had to be a bit more involved from the left side, but again, now you're losing width on your left side, and that gave Llorente more space to run down the right. I think Barcelona struggled a bit with the halftime energy from Atleti, but credit to them, by about the 55th minute, they had settled right back in to being on the front foot. 58th minute, Rafinha hits the outside of the post. Nice little back heel from Pedri to play him on. Immediately goes the other way, Urente to Lino to Griezmann, but I think Arau also had that covered in Griezmann's other moment in the game. 65th minute, more changes from Diego Simeone, Morata and Coque out for Memphis to buy and Saul. More like for like from Atletico Madrid, finding a bit more freedom as Barcelona also retiring. Five changes for Atletico Madrid and Barca had still made none. And I wondered if that's the first time that's happened by the 66th minute of a game. Probably not in La Liga history of all that, but definitely something you don't see often, especially with the five subs, as that change is more recent, five subs to zero. But the way the game was going for Atletico Madrid, I get it. And also with what was on Barcelona's bench, I also get it. 69th minute, another wide shot from João Felix. And Barcelona at that point were looking like they had heavy legs come the 70th minute. But Xavi doesn't really have anybody to trust to keep up what made Barca successful. I think Xavi really wanted that second goal to make some changes, and he kind of was just waiting for it to happen. Barcelona were playing good enough to get it, but it never came, so we kind of stuck with who was there. Headline five, thank you, Naki Pena. And when you're stuck with what you have and the tired legs come, you know that Atletico Madrid, they're a good team. They were going to have some energy late in that contest. 77th minute, though, tired legs, Rafinha and Jalfax had to be removed. Lamine Mall and Ferran Torres comes on. And I do want to say, while Lamine Mall is now... It looks like in this Gala 11 that Xavi's playing, second fiddle to Rafinha. This is exactly what we want from Lamini Mall. He's still featured in every La Liga game, and he's still getting minutes. He's still part of the first team. He should start the match after Girona. So Rafinha, after a week's time, again starts Lamini Mall, Champions League. Of course he's going to start against Royal Antwerp. Have some fun there, kid. Lewandowski, I already said all the negative, but he was pressing much better in the second half when Barca was under pressure. 
But the questions still remain, though. He did press better, but how is he the one that stays on the field aside from that maybe being a fitness thing for Zhao Felix and Rafinha? That's the only question I really have for Xavi. Not if Lewandowski is going to start over Vitor Roque come January when the Brazilian arrives. But instead, why does he play 90 minutes of every game? I understand it's about the shape, but I also don't. Because Ferran Torres can just play in the middle. And you keep one of Zhao Felix or Rafinha on the field, and you put Ferran Torres in the middle, and Lamine Yamal can either play on the left, or he can stay on the right, and Zhao Felix stays on the left. 82nd minute, suspect Kunde foul, Araujo yellow, Memphis free kick. But most importantly, Inaki Pena's huge save to glove it wide. That was on frame. That was a tie ball game, and who knows what happened after that point in the 82nd minute. Inaki Pena again for the second match in a row. Hats tip off to him at 24 years old, coming from the academy. He may have fortified a professional career because of these two starts. 83rd minute, free kick for Atleti. VAR says no handball in dealing with his arm close enough to the body. Obviously, I agree with that. 86th minute, Lewandowski still can't score. Hermoso went flying past and got caught between two minds to shoot, that being Lewandowski. But it goes wide. Still more frustration. Referee was also terrible in that second half. Aspilicueta, too many fouls not to receive a second yellow. Cancelo also unfairly picking up the yellow and Barca conceding another free kick. And I don't care about the yellows. Obviously, they add up sure over the course of a season. I don't care too much about the cards, but I care more that Barcelona were conceding free kicks and some of those were not entirely righteous. 89th minute, Fermi Lopez on for Pedri. Pedri had ran himself ragged and I did not compliment in these five headlines, enough of what Gundogan and De Jong and Pedri did in that match. I was considering making Gundogan and De Jong a headline all to themselves, but honestly, you know how I like to talk about tactics a lot on the podcast, so I think I want to put a pin in just how influential and good they were, but from start to finish, they set the tempo of this match, and there are words and fun words that Kool-Aid like to say, like La Pausa, and then looking at Gundogan and Pedri, they were really good in this match. I saw some criticism from Pedri, but I watched the same match that they did. I didn't see it. I might have to look back and see maybe he misplayed a few more than, than I tend to remember. But he moved the ball so quickly, and he made the right decisions. And defensively, on that press especially, working for Lewandowski in the middle of the field as that attacking midfielder, there is not much more, not an ounce more of sweat that you could ask from Pedri. To close out this match, nervy moment late with Kunde and Lino, but nothing to it. Lamina Mall also had one to try to put it away, won a corner on the deflection. That was great. But then in stoppage time, a 3v1 on the counter, but Lamine Mall and Fermin Lopez couldn't make it happen. That was six big chances on the night and Barcelona missing five of them. And this is one of those that if Barcelona did not outduel Atletico Madrid as much as they did, I mean, that's the chances thing. As positive as this match was, and I think 85% of any discourse around this match should be positive. The only 15% that's negative that I really want to talk about is about the missed chances from everybody. That was the only real concern in this match. Because let's end it with another positive. 94th minute, Inaki Pena again saves a shot from Angel Correa. Two huge Inaki Pena saves. Do not want those to be forgotten in this match review either. Gundogan or De Jong was probably my man of the match. But yeah, the narrative, I get it. Scored the one goal. I understand why Jao Felix, he goes away with it. I guess the only other little negative, and I do give actually maybe 5% of the match total, if you want to say, 10% negative about the chances or 15% negative about the chances. And the other 5% is that this was the worst turnout of the season so far on Mont week at the Olympic Stadium. 34,568 fans, 
came in on what was a cold night. And I'm in the U.S. on the East Coast. So I'm not too sympathetic about the cold in Barcelona, but it was 9 p.m. on a Sunday night. It's only 34,568, 21,000 empty seats, 39% empty for a match between one of your rivals. If it's not Real Madrid, it's Atletico Madrid. At the same time, you're going to see a lot of pundits from all your favorite networks and all your favorite outlets saying the Premier League stadiums are consistently between 93 and 99% full capacity. But I'm not calling out Kool-Aid in this instance. There is a bigger conversation to be had about the ticket prices in Spain, about even when they put the timing of the matches. And then it does kind of go to the culture that in Barcelona on a Sunday night at 9 p.m., there's a lot of match-going fans who don't want to go all the way up there. And they got better things to do and they want to have better times and enjoyable times elsewhere in a city like that. And I think that has a part to play as well. So sorry to end it on a bummer. The good news is, though, that Barcelona, after winning, well, they should at least win their Champions League group. They've got like a 97% chance to make sure Shakhtar Donetsk doesn't come back on goal differential. But with the Champions League group pretty much locked up and the Liga still only four points out. And Girona, of these three matches, they won two of three. If they make it three of three, Everything will be left to play for come the new year. And that's all I asked for. Really, after the last few seasons, that's all I asked for. And the last thing I guess I can ask of you is the thing, if you're still here, you probably already have done, and that's subscribe to the channel, or you can join Patreon to help me out over there. So thanks so much. I also have a merch store, by the way. So it's not even just Patreon. If you want to get some piece of merch, that comes right to me. Very helpful as well. So that's on the merch store down in the show notes below. And as always, until next time, Forza Barca. Barca.